Thank you for the opportunity to open the Word of God with you this morning here in this very, for me, special place. As, uh, as Patrick uh, told you, uh, my wife and I, Mary, uh, and I were married uh, in the Williamson Road uh, building of this church 50 years ago, uh, June 5th. So this is a special time in our lives, and uh, <laughs> thank you. So uh, the Lord has been good to us, as he's been to you, and he sustained us over many, many long years. Uh, this morning, I have chosen as my text, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, a short uh, verse, but one that is filled with truth that I believe will be a great help to us at this time in life and in this time in where we are in history. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to your word, I am aware and we are aware that we need your spirit to guide us. We need your help to understand. We ask that you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things in your law. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. So I want to speak to you this morning about the subject of trusting God. The title of the sermon, God is Able. It's something to think about. Now I know that probably the majority of you here are believers in Jesus Christ. We've been singing about this quite well. We trust him. And if you're a Christian, you trust him for the forgiveness of your sins. You trust him that he has redeemed you and made his, you his own, and that you will someday enter into his presence in glorious victory over all of that we have experienced in this world. And you believe that, and you believe it by faith. You know that it's all by God's grace and his grace alone that you are able to, to make that assertion and to know that it's true. My experience is that oftentimes we as Christians can trust God more easily for our salvation than we can for the problems we're facing from day to day. Sometimes the things right in front of us just overwhelm us, and we're wondering how in the world we're going to get through it. Uh, I also learn a lot from uh, reading what my Facebook friends post, and I find that almost to a person, everybody believes in God when they've got cancer an automobile accident, or some terrible thing happening in their life, and everybody puts up love and prayers, love and prayers, love and prayers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And very few of those people uh, show up on Sunday morning here or care about hearing the word taught. Very few of them give much thought to their salvation or forgiveness of sins. And hmm, I ponder this thought that it's easier for us to trust God for salvation, for forgiveness of all of our sins, than it is to trust him 
for maybe the difficult trials that we're going through from day to day. So we must learn to trust God for everything by studying his power. Suffering is everywhere. The longer I live, the more convinced I am that nobody gets through life without pain. And the more I get to know people, sometimes our friends look like they've just got the greatest life. And they sail through happy and no, no particular problems. But the more you get to know, the more you peel back the layers. You see that there's pain and suffering everywhere. There's, there's heartache. There's, there's all kinds of things that overwhelm us. Right now we're praying uh, for a young man who uh, had a terrible skiing accident when he was 12 years old. It left him brain damaged and, uh, uh, and dependent, uh, limited in many ways. And now, at 24, he has cancer, too. And it's sad. And I feel for him, and I feel for his family. But this is the kind of pain that Christians experience. Godly people experience these things. So I want us today to study the power of God so that we will grow in trusting God. And we're going to think about three topics here, three, three things that we need to consider. One is the extent of God's power. The second is the grace of God's power. And third, the sufficiency of God's power. Now, it's not going to be a surprise to you if I tell you that God is all-powerful. You expect that I would say that. There are three ways that we see God's power. In scripture. One is through creation. From the first word of the Bible, in the beginning God created. God made all that there is. He is the one who made all things, and without him was not anything made that was made, John tells us in his gospel. He speaks, he creates, he orders everything, and then when all is done, he makes the final part of his creation, which is he creates man and woman in his own image. The wonderful thing about this, and we see the power of God in all of that, the wonderful thing in it is that God doesn't just disappear after that and leave things to go as they will, as some have asserted, but by his providence, that's a good word to keep in mind, not, not used very often, he rules over all things. He is present in all things. He is there. And in that process, he asserts to us in his word that he makes all things work together for good. Certainly in a fallen world, all things are not good, but all things work together for good. Right. Joseph knew that, even after having spent time in the bottom of a pit, time in a, a prison in Egypt, and then his brothers come, and he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I have also come at my advanced age to be more and more convinced that even those horrible and terrible and awful and horrendous things that you and I have experienced in life are also planned by God for a good purpose. You might say, how can that be? How can we, how can we, how can we imagine that an all-powerful God and an all-loving and good God would allow any horrible things to happen to us. By faith, we believe that he didn't let anything happen by accident. 
He didn't just sleep or slumber through that one, and he missed it, and we had some awful thing occur. God in his providence has total control, and if he doesn't, the alternative is worse, because there is no hope, there's no guarantee that everything will turn out the way he plans for it to. We haven't gotten there yet, but we believe we will get there. And we will see the day when his glory is going to be revealed fully. And we'll be in his presence, and all of this will make sense to us. So we see God's power in creation, and we see God's power in day-to-day, in his day-to-day providence, in his control over everything. But there's a way that I think really is the pinnacle of all that we're, where we see God's power, and that is at the cross. Because at the cross is where Jesus Christ satisfies the justice of God and fulfills the loving purposes of God for his people. There on the cross, Christ took our sins upon himself. And there, he did the most amazing thing that we, could, we can't imagine. That God himself took on flesh, lived among us, and then willingly, consciously, knowingly, gave himself up for us. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 All things. This is the power of God. This is the power of God in creation. This is the power of God in providence. This is the power of God in salvation at the cross. And we believe that this, is the, this shows us something of the extent of God's power. There is no limit to his power. Now, if I were a motivational speaker or some kind of secular life coach, I would be up here telling you, you know, folks, I know you're having a tough time, but you're better than this. You can overcome. You can rise up over the problems in your life. All you need to do is look inside and draw from the deep wells of your resources that you have in there. You're just a wonderful, fabulous being. Well, by God's grace, you are a wonderful, fabulous being, but I will not tell you to look inside of yourself. I will tell you to look outside and look up to Christ. Look up to God. You're not going to gain the strength that you need inside of you. So many try to do. It's futile. So I'm happy to tell you this morning that you can trust God because of the extent of his power seen at the cross. You can trust him no matter what you're going through. And that's what he wants us to do is to trust him. So we have seen the extent of God's power. Let's think about the grace of God's power. Paul in this verse, in this letter to the Corinthians says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. We know that grace is a gift. A gift is not something you can earn. It's not something you deserve. Many times our gifts are really, I'll give you a gift and you give me a gift and we kind of earn this. We kind of deserve it. I gave you a gift, you owe me a gift. But God's grace is, we can't pay for it. We can't deserve it. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do. 
we can receive it, and we can give thanks for it, and we can humbly, in fact, we need humbly to receive it. But there is no way that we can pay him back. We can't have a payment plan going on for the next five million years to pay God back for his grace. Now, it's interesting that this letter that we're reading from, 2 Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthian church, do you know these people? Have you heard about the Corinthians? Now, they were quite a bunch. This is not the church we would pick to attend on Sunday morning. We had an option. These Corinthians were, just read the letters, and Paul talks about they were divided. They were cliquish. They had little groups all around. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. Oh, I'm of Jesus. We're the good ones. They also were good at taking their brothers and sisters to, the, to court uh, and fighting lawsuits in, in the secular courts. They were greedy. They were gluttonous. I would even go so far as to say they had food fights at church. It's there. You can read it in 1 Corinthians. They were incestuous. What does that mean? Never mind. They were proud. They did things that even the world thought was horrible. Now, they, they were believers, but they were very immature. They needed to grow a lot. But Paul had no hesitancy in telling them, God is able to make all grace abound to you, Corinthians. Amen. And so, how about us? We may not be quite as bad as the Corinthians, but we also need God's grace his unmerited favor, and he promises it to us. He will give us all the grace that we need. We'll go into that in just a minute. But let me ask you this. Do you ever find yourself praying, and you're asking God for something you really need and really want, and you really believe it's something he wants, but you have this tinge of hesitancy thinking, I don't think I'm worthy of this. I don't think I deserve what I'm asking God for. Whenever that happens, we need to remind ourselves that in that moment, we're not trusting in God's grace. We're trusting in our works. I remember uh, when I was, uh, Mary and I were in in Argentina working with students and uh, many uh, unbelievers. We were working with them and evangelizing. And I remember talking to one student about prayer. And, and he made this comment. He said, well, I don't like to ask God for, for much. And the, uh, the, the tone of what he was saying was, if I, I only have three, three, good, three wishes, you know, and if I blow those, I'm, I don't have any more. So I'm very careful about praying to God because I, I don't really deserve him to, to answer my prayers. Well, that's true. You don't deserve. But you also lack an understanding of the great mercy and grace of God. When you think you have to earn it, or you've got to do something, or there's some way you can get God to be obligated to answer your prayer the way you think it should be. Think about that. Trust in God's power, which is full of goodness and mercy and grace. But it's interesting that 
in us, we, we have some power, but it's possible for us to exercise power in an evil way, but God can never exercise his power in an evil or evil or bad way. God always exercises his power with love, with justice, with mercy, and with grace. I'm thinking back to uh, when I was a student in college, a group of us young Christians used to gather on the uh, campus chapel uh, and every, every evening after supper and pr- spend time in prayer. And one evening, we had gathered there, a regular group, and one of the fellows had a really big problem. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was a really big problem. It was a serious problem, and all of us were pondering this and, and kind of feeling his pain. And one of the guys, he was a... Uh, he was a bespeckled physics student, you could imagine. Little skinny guy got up and he said, um, Brothers, let me tell you what the Bible says. God is sometimes able to make a little bit of grace trickle down to you so that having a teeny little bit of sufficiency in a few things at a few, sometimes, you may perform a couple of good works now and then. Well, we all laughed because he obviously had misquoted this verse to make a point. And he made his point really well because here I am telling you this 56 years later, right? I remembered it. Sometimes it's good to think about what would be true if that weren't true. What would be true if that weren't true is that we'd be in trouble. But we're not in trouble, and God has promised the grace of his power. God's power is gracious to us. So we have seen the extent of God's power. We've seen the grace of God's power. Now let's consider the sufficiency of God's power. Back to our text again. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now, the context of this passage I didn't go into because of time, but we could. The Corinthians were getting this letter from Paul because they had promised to take up a collection, take up an offering for the needy Christians in the church in Jerusalem. And Paul was sending this letter to remind them that they had promised to do this. That had been a year. A year had gone by, and of course, time and travel and so forth. They hadn't completed this. But Paul was reminding them that he was coming. And then when he got there, he was looking to, collect, to pick up that offering that they had made, along with their representatives, I like his integrity. He says, I'm going to have some of your people, you give me some of your people to go with me and take this money to Jerusalem. Well, you might ask, was it hard for them to to do this? It may have been hard for them to do this because they made a promise and the time had gone by and they they were going to help people that they didn't know way in a different distant place in Jerusalem. And they were, they were going to help people that weren't like them. Those people in Jerusalem were probably mostly Jewish converts to Christianity. Wonderful folks, I'm sure. 
but they weren't like the Gentile Corinthians. I can, I can imagine that it might be a little, there might be some hesitancy. And maybe they had some emergencies that had come up that uh, they couldn't really contribute to this like they wanted to in the first place. But what Paul is telling them here is you need to trust in the grace of God, which is sufficient for you to be able to finish what you promised you would do. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you, having all sufficiency, that's a great promise, that sufficiency that you can abound in every good work. The word abound shows up twice here in this translation that we're using. And that abound means to flood. It just, you know, overwhelm you. You just dumps out. It's, it's that, that kind of concept. It's just like, where do we put it all? There's so much grace abounding here. There's so much sufficiency abounding here. And that sufficiency is not theirs. It's God's. And it's given to them by grace. And it is all they need to do what God has asked them to do. Now we think about this for a moment. What has God called you to do? And is it hard? what God has called you to do? I don't know what God has called you to do. I kind of know what God's called me to do, and, and I, I work on that every day. But I suspect that for many of us, what God has called us to do is way too, much, too great for us. We cannot do it. We are due to not have sufficiency in ourselves. That's on purpose. Because the Christian life, as a friend of mine used to say, the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible unless you trust in the Lord. This is not an easy road. This is not simple. This is, this is a high calling. Take up your cross, he said, and follow me. So what is it that God wants you to do? I think there are a couple ways that we, we answer that question. One, one way we answer it is what needs to be done. Is there a need for uh, people to help with ESL ministry? Maybe. Maybe that's a need that, that's there that we can help with. There are other things going on around us and overseas. I don't need to tell you about missions. Your heart's there. And you give and you sacrifice. And God gives you what's needed in order to be able to do that. What needs to be done? The gospel needs to go out. And in our, even in this country, it's getting rare and more rare the gospel is faithfully proclaimed. So ask what, is, what needs to be done. And secondly, ask what has God given me to use? What has he given me? What resources do I have? What abilities do I have? You can tell a lot about God's calling on your life by saying, no, he's wired me up to be an organizer. Or he's wired me up to be a servant. I'm, I'm the person, you know, nobody knows I'm there, but I'm, I'm keeping things organized. It's a great thing. It's not a, 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 it's not a, a celebrity position, but maybe that's what God has called you to do. Maybe he's called you to teach. Maybe he's called you to just be a good listener and a friend. These are ways that God may call you, and, and how, does he, how does he gift you? How, do, how has he wired you up? I belong to uh, uh, the Roanoke Valley Christian Writers Group uh, here in, in the valley, and uh, we had a, 
a, a speaker the other night who was talking about writing your memoir, writing your, your story, your life story. And she made this comment, which was true and also sobering. She says, the only people who are going to get their memoir published are famous people or great writers whose quality of writing is so good that it cannot be ignored. And she assured us that probably didn't, well, none of us probably qualified in that case. But she said this. She said, you know, God has given you your life and your experience and your lessons and all of the things that, you, that he's done in your life, answers to prayer and so forth. And she said, if you write them down, you can think of them as a gift to future generations. That's a good idea. You won't be famous. You won't make a lot of money. Probably just spend some money. But that's a possibility. I wanted to tell you that this verse that we're looking at this morning, oh, I was awoken in the morning, early morning one day, about a couple of weeks ago. The night before, the day before, I got a, t a SOS text, I'll call it, from a friend who was in, in a bad place. And this friend had reached out to me and some others and said, would you pray for me? Uh, I'm, I, I, I have this situation and I need, I need your prayers. And I sit, wrote back and said, I will pray for you. And I did pray for him that day and that night. And in the middle of the night, early in the morning, I awoke. And I was thinking about 2 Corinthians 9, 8. came to my mind. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to every good work. Later that morning, I... I had prayed that prayer for him, and I sent him a text. And when I saw him later, he said, God answered your prayers in an amazing way. I thought it was going to be a train wreck, but it wasn't. He said, I laid down and went to sleep. I left it in the Lord's hands, and he answered, trusted God. Well, my friends, we have looked at God's, the extent of God's power. It's limitless. The grace of God's power, that it, everything he does is gracious and loving and wise and kind. And the sufficiency of God's power, he can do it. He is able to do it. He is willing to do it. So let us consider that the Corinthians were pretty flaky people. And God was willing to do that for them. And will he not do the same for us? And may your life yield a great harvest of righteousness. Let us pray. Lord, remind us often of this truth. You are great, powerful, awesome. You can do anything that you will. And you have willed to, to minister grace to us, your people through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through your word. I pray for us, Lord, that we might be faithful to the end, that we might do all that you have called us to do and rest in your sufficiency. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.